Hi, welcome to season two of the Accidental Marketer podcast. I'm Mary Abazia, and I'm joined by my colleagues, both Tom Spitali and Sean Wellam. Well, hi, guys. Hey, Mary. Hey, Mary. How you so, doing? Yeah, good. In our first season, we took deeper dives into each of the chapters of our book, um, The Accidental Marketer. This season, our focus is on busting some long-held um, marketing myths. So today, the myth that uh, we've been asked to bust is, in most firms, sales and marketing work very closely together, hand in glove. So, <laughs> okay, well, maybe that's not such a myth, but we would all agree that these two functions, um, they, they should work together, but uh, many companies, they don't. Um, eh, Tom, why do you think that is? Well, it's clearly a case of the cobbler's children have no shoes. You know, marketers are supposed to be the positioning experts, but marketing, the function, has a positioning problem in many, many B2B firms. They are referred to or thought of as simply collateral developers or people that are sort of on the back end of the commercialization cycle who are counted on to simply help communicate uh, you know, the value proposition of the organization, but not necessarily involved in developing strategically what that value proposition should be. And you know, in every organization, somebody, some function, some group of people has to be involved in developing a strategy and we see a lot of problems when marketing is not a part of that. Sean, do you want to talk a little bit about that and some of the problems you've seen when marketing isn't involved in strategic planning? Yeah, I think, I mean, first of all, let's just be clear. Our position collectively is that, that marketing should effectively own the strategic element of the business decision-making simply because in every uh, every case, what a, what a business strategy is designed to do is to maximize profits, to grow revenues, to increase the business, which are all absolutely the, the job of, of marketing. And even when the strategy is more, you know, cost out or efficiency focused, maybe you're outsourcing the billing department to, uh, to, a, to a different call center or you're closing a plant or you're, you're moving offices, all of that stuff has an impact on, on customer, which marketing should always be the advocate for the customer. So our view on, on marketing being in lockstep with the strategic process is, is very clear. And with that said, the, one of the problems that you see when, when, when marketing is seen as a support function for maybe the sales um, part of the business, then um, you lose the, the ability and the time to have that sort of more strategic focus, what I call looking over the horizon. You know, if you're always dealing with the here and now and with making the quarter and promotions and lead generation and, and all that stuff that's that's pretty important, but if that's all you do, then you'd lack the time and the ability to, as I say, see over the horizon, be more strategic, be more outside in in your in your view of the market, which is where great marketing strategies come from, not just from looking within and saying, what numbers do we need to hit this month or what products do we need to shift? It's just, it's just, you've got to have a balance between those two things, I think. Yeah. You know what I think is ironic about what you're saying, Sean? Um, marketing is the advocate for the customer. I mean, it's, it's such an important statement. And ironically, 
it's hard sometimes for the marketing group to be close to the customer because it's in some organizations, the customer is owned by the sales group. And it's almost like, you know, I talked to some engineers ago, oh, we wouldn't dream of going and talking to the customer because that's the sales group. And, you know, in an engineering organization where there's marketing, they have to work together. I mean, I think that's, you know, some of what we're seeing as a best practice, but ironically, it's hard to be an advocate if you're actually not working closely with them. So you could argue that the sales group should be an advocate too, but how do those two roles work that advocacy together um, within the organization. You know, you know what, Mary? It's a really good point because I think you know, we probably have a marketing bias, right? That's our firm's ethos, so that's probably a fair point. But let's acknowledge it because I've always noticed in, in various companies where the most customer-focused department is sales, and that happens. And on occasion, marketing is is so caught up in the in the ethereal, in the in the non-specific, that they they can sometimes lose focus. So it's not always a one-way traffic, is it? It's not always that marketing or the customer advocate and the sales are, are demanding everything. You know, let's get it all <laughs> sorted now. I, I've seen I've seen the opposite side of that coin too often for it to be a, a rare exception. Anyway, where where sometimes you know sales are the true customer advocates and, and marketing are, are, are sometimes lost. Well, that's mm-hmm. that's an interesting point that you you're both making. I would say. That that yes, you definitely need a customer advocate in the whole strategic planning process. And maybe sales are a little bit better positioned to be the customer advocate because they're on the front lines. I think that marketers, though, are uniquely positioned to be what we in the book called the orchestrators of the company strategy for one reason. They are in position to understand what they're hearing from the sales staff and, and through their own efforts that the customer's needs are, but they're also playing the role of understanding the internal organization's critical capabilities and potential, you know, differentiators. So, you know, we like to use the term outside in, and I like to say that inside part of that is important too. Outside is, is always first in the outside in equation because Without a customer, you don't have a business, and so you got to think first about the, the, the customer on the outside. But on the inside, you have to be able to match those customer demands and needs to something that the company is either capable today or can become capable pretty quickly on delivering. And that's why we like marketers as these orchestrators because they're, they're the ones that can touch all the functions and understand all of this and bring together a strategy that pleases customers, but that works profitably for the company as well. Yeah, Tom, you know, I think your your point's a really um, interesting one. One of the medical device companies we were working with recently had told us that the salespeople are so good at listening to customers that they keep getting these one-offs. And uh, without that perspective of a little bit longer term, as Sean was saying, looking at the horizons or a bigger picture, you could drive an organization crazy by saying, well, this customer wants this, this customer wants this, and you're doing one-offs as opposed to, like you say, orchestrating across and looking for, you know, what is it really that is best for the target customers and for, as you say, inside best for the company as well. So it's, it is an interesting balance. I like the way you described that. Sean, do you have some examples of where you've seen this either uh, really good or really bad? Yeah, I, I actually got one from my own experience. When I was um, 
working as as a marketing director, we had a uh, um, an interesting pressure. We the, the, very briefly, the business was a turnaround business, so so we had to uh, reposition, we had to refocus on on where we were making our efforts. This was going to mean stopping dealing with some customers. It was a it was a typical turnaround situation, but the salespeople perceive marketing as you know, hey, where are the leads? Just give me the leads. I want the hot leads so I can go and do some closing. Um, and they were mumbling to the, the 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 CEO at the time, and he called us both in. So I had the the, the sales teams and, and myself, and and the upshot of it was, you know, look, these guys need feeding. They need doors to go knock on because this was an expanding business because it was being restructured, um, and and we had to prioritize generating leads. And I was making the case that you know this this will take the focus off the whole repositioning of the business, the long-term viability rather than the short-term needs. I mean the upshot of that was that we ended up spending a much more time on those lead generations and promotional activities because that's what the CEO demanded after following the meeting. Um, which is another interesting thing. Sometimes it's not the marketing department or the sales department inherently who have these turf wars and have different demands. Ultimately, that that has to be called by you know the executive. Someone has to say this is what I'm going to do with the marketing department. And it's worth remembering that the um, that's where the, that's where it, it 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 succeeds or fails is is at the CEO level. They have to direct the resource as well. So it's not always what people desire to do. It's often what they're instructed to do so you know it's not always a departmental thing it can be a, a business leadership yeah well. sean you know yeah, what, and, and what happens when the executives of an organization you know have marketing pigeonholed in a certain suboptimal way is the types of skills and talents that are hired for in that department become much more oriented towards, again, the back end of the commercialization process, the expertise in developing collateral or with social media. And a lot of times we see companies that have had that mindset for a long time have a deficit of strategic thinkers in their marketing department. Now, part of our existence and what we have done for many, many years is to help companies to kind of develop uh, in, within their marketing staff those strategic thinking uh, skills as fast as possible, but a lot of times they're they're starting you know behind the eight ball because of the types types of people they have in the marketing department today and the types of skill sets. You know, I want to yeah. add to that too. Um, one of the things that that we've observed over the years too is there's a life cycle to the role of both sales and marketing. Um, typically, when we have when we work with the the startup type companies. Um, sales is really kind of driving things and, you know, it's all about getting the money in to get going and get funded. Um, as a company matures, it's almost like there's like, Ooh, you know, I think we're missing something. I think we're either leaving money on the table or there are markets that we need to expand into. We need to grow more aggressively. And then it seems like there's a greater demand, if you will, for the marketer's role and a stable company, you know, then, like you said, achieves that balance of sales and marketing and the roles and how they really work together. But then we've seen some companies, big companies that start to lose it and they just like grab the sales uh, lever and say, okay, let's kind of get rid of with the marketing's and, you know, it's a cost to us. And let's just make sure that the salespeople bring in that that money each quarter, each day, so that we look good on the street. So it's very interesting to see a life cycle and when 
a, a manager or a company chooses to put more energy against that sales and marketing role, or they just panic and go, let's just go sales or, you know, let's go, let's make sure we do marketing well. So that's probably something I've seen companies consider a lot. Um, and you know what, Mary, it's also part of the, it can also be the, where the industry is in the cycle, because I remember working in the telecoms market when, back when cell phones were, were still growing almost exponentially. So I'm going back a few mm -hmm. years, but the, uh, the focus, it was a, it was a massive land grab. Mm -hmm. All that matters was getting companies to sign up to the tariff and you had nothing but salespeople hammering on doors, signing up contracts, because once you've got people signed up, then you, you start to build that scale. There was no real need for a strategic marketing. It was purely advertising and door knocking and signing them up. And as the market reached saturation, then you had to get into this, okay, well, how would we position ourselves now? How do we cement what we've got and how do we win because a new sale wasn't convincing someone they needed to have a cell phone contract in their business the the new game was why they needed yours as opposed to the other guys and that became a bit different so sometimes the the where you are in the cycle can dictate where the marketing and sales sort of dichotomy yeah do you guys fits, remember our former like colleague tom Niehaus used to make a kind of funny but kind of sad joke about the life cycle of businesses he said you know, similar to, to what you're both saying in the early days, the entrepreneurial phase, right? Selling and getting the company just to survive and get to a critical, you know, scale of income is, is, is first. And then as you're both saying, you know, it's time for marketing to kind of sort it out, make sure that you're differentiated, be a little bit smarter, kind of organize the chaos. And he used to say, um, if you skip that, that particular phase, that marketing phase, or the marketers aren't effective, the next phase is the finance function takes over. <laughs> you start to, but but there, there's, there's, a, there's an even you know, darker phase. So as the finance people take over, and of course that's not really good for the commercialization of your business when the finance people are in control and dictating margins, et cetera. That's the opposite of outside in. And then he said, if that doesn't work, the final function to take over is the lawyers. And that's never good. <laughs> That's funny. That is so true. You know, and if you really like, I feel like we're stretching this idea and the myth. The other um, way to stretch it is globally. You know, when we work with companies that have headquarters, what's the role of marketing and sales? And then as you get down to the regional and the local level, how that relationship shifts and what, what each group needs to do. Um, Sean, have you seen anything that kind of gives people some guidance on how to think through that? In, in what respect, as, as it affects what, the global um, economy or, or just businesses on a, on a much grander scale? Yeah. Is that what you mean? Um, I mean, how a best practice of a company in, in the balance of sales and marketing when you have, you know, at a higher, at a, at a um, high quarter level versus the regional level and then the local level, the balance of sales and marketing. Tom, do you... You and I have worked on a couple of companies where we've helped them strike that balance. Oh yeah, Mary, I think what you're levels. talking about is 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 just now as as marketing gets more involved in the strategy, how do you kind of cascade the strategy from global to regional to local and back up again, right? In a way, yeah. And I think exactly, that we exactly. we've, we have. You're right. We've had that experience, and you know, it's it's interesting that 
you you have certain I, I think companies that do it well have certain um, responsibilities that the global marketing team has uh, versus the local marketing team. But I think what we've seen work is that the the global teams uh, it's really important to help the entire staff marketers understand um, trends in the marketplace to you know have a general look at influence in um, you know in, in the, the marketplace in the different roles globally that different functions have in a particular marketplace they can take a shot at you know how the market segments and and what targets seem uh, globally to be um, effective and even what value propositions globally seem to be um, effective for a company or a portfolio or a product but the idea especially as it gets to segmentation and targeting and, and, and positioning is to allow the local or regional players to modify the global hypotheses. So as the, the regional and the local marketers are, are setting their plan, they're not starting with a blank sheet of paper that ends up with a plan that looks very different across the world. There's some commonalities that build on the company's you know, strengths and what they've heard about customers around the, the world in the, the global plan, but the local and the regional plans reflect the local and regional differences that um, you know inevitably exist around the world, and that's kind of that that dichotomy or that give and take is really how that works really really well, at least from our experience. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, as a general point, though, surely marketing needs to you know if if marketing is essentially a customer function, then it needs to be close to the customers, right? Because that is one of the problems with a with a corporate marketing strategy is having those degrees of freedom because if you don't have that resource close to the customer, you know, you couldn't get into all oh, sorts of- No, I agree. Of, I think uh, what we've learned is that top, <laughs> top so down true. doesn't work. Bottoms up can lead to a lot of inefficiencies where people are doing things in local and regional areas that, um, you know, may not be able to be leveraged globally or maybe even um, perpendicular to the company's strategy or value proposition. The idea is a combination of tops down, bottom up, and for each to kind of know their role and play their role, and you get the best of both worlds there. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we should rename this how marketing doesn't get on with marketing. That's, <laughs> that's another dichotomy we need to discuss oh, at some point. I know. So we hope that you've enjoyed this podcast, and if you uh, like what you're hearing, please go to our podcast page on iTunes and give us a rating and review so we can uh, – you know, reach a wider audience and, and maybe even accidental marketers that may be somewhere near you, like your colleagues or your boss. Um, and we are very interested in hearing about any topics or feedback that you have for us. Um, we have we have a, a website that you can go to, theaccidentalmarketer.com, and uh, you can uh, either on our podcast or anywhere in there give us feedback uh, because we would love to, to make sure that we're answering some of your uh, deep myths or questions. Thank you very much.